0: Podcast friends, I have an incredible hotel booking app I must tell you about. It is Hotel Tonight. Hotel Tonight is an app that helps you find amazing hotel deals at the last minute. Perfect for a spontaneous getaway or indulging in a little staycation. All it takes is 10 seconds, just three taps... And a swipe. So what are you waiting for? Get in on these killer last-minute hotel deals and download the Hotel Tonight app now. Hey, restaurant owners, what if your point of sale could upsell for you? Touch Bistro's iPad point of sale makes upselling second nature for your staff by giving them upsell item notifications when they're taking an order, especially when they're taking an order from the hungry people. This means my restaurant owner pals thousands more dollars in your bank account all through an easy to learn POS. Through October, Touch Bistro is giving away a $25 Amazon gift card to any restaurant owner who completes a live demo. Go to Touchbistro.com slash carbs to find out how touch bistro can increase profits for your restaurant. That's touchbistro.com slash carbs My podcast pals, we've done it. We are back. Here we go. Welcome to yet another edition of House of Cars, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. This is My Taste Buds, a food podcast for the hungry people by the hungry people. I am your hungry host, Joe House. It is, as you know, my hungry friends. Football season, and today we have what I'll call a football-themed podcast to bring to you. We have none other than the Ringer's own Tate Frazier aboard today to talk about his tailgating experiences. We encourage you to chime in with comments, commentary, edits, revisions, and suggestions, and your own tailgate experiences on the very own, our very own, House of Carbs Instagram you can find it at the House of Carbs, hashtag belly sourcing. We're also very pleased to have Juliet Littman on, of course, for food news. But the main ingredient of today's show, my friends, actually, main entree. This gentleman deserves entree status. Number 58 from the Denver Broncos, Von Miller, has joined us to talk about raising chickens and what he eats during the season. Let's get in that belly with Von Miller. All right, my podcast pals, you may know... This special guest of mine, based on his unbelievable professional football resume, drafted second overall in the 2011 NFL Draft, the 2011 Defensive Rookie of the Year, five-time Pro Bowl selection, three-time first team All-Pro, the MVP of Super Bowl 50, none other than Von Miller. Von, welcome to House of... Carbs. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How's it going? It's going great. Now, look, uh, your football resume is, is, is unparalleled, but I'm having you on the House of Carbs here today because I want to talk about, among other things, chicken. I know that uh, you have a deep and long uh, relationship with chicken going all the way back to at least – your your college days when you majored in poultry science at Texas A and M, where did your interest in 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 chicken come from?
1: Um, I mean, honestly, you know, like I can't sit here and say you know I'm from I'm from Dallas, Texas. You know, I've always spent time in like the country and you know outdoors and stuff. But I I can't sit here and say that I've when I was growing up, I just said to myself like one of these days I'm going to raise chicken. You know, it, it just it never was really you know a dream like. Of mine, it never was really a dream of mine until I got to college and, you know, I was introduced to it. Um, I had uh, you know, it, it takes an it's M. You know, it's an agricultural and mechanical school, so um, you know, they have a, a lot of you know ag classes that you could take. And you know, um, my uh, freshman my freshman year, I was an elective and it was meat production. And um, you know, I can't I can't even lie to like the rates for that class was an easy class. You know, they take so I'm like, okay, I'm a freshman. Let me go ahead and get this. You know, this this easy A. And um, so I went to the, and I went to the class. I went to I went into the class. I went into, you know meat, meat production one on one, and um, Dr. Farnell was my teacher. And you know it was an easy class. It was an easy class. Just like just like how I expected it to be. And um, I used to fall asleep every day. I used to fall asleep, and you know um, my Uh-oh. professor, my professor, he just wasn't he just wasn't having it. You can just imagine, you know, a uh-huh. room full of fifty students, and you know he's waking me up every single day. So I had, and he made a point that, you know, every single day I came in there, he made sure that he asked me questions and that he, he made sure I was awake. So in turn, I really got to, you know, learn, you know, meat production. I really got into it. Cause every day, you know, Dr. Farnell was gonna ask me about it. He was gonna question me. He was gonna test me every single day. You know, so in turn, you know, I started to, you know, listen to him and, you know, he started. We started when you start talking about the numbers and you know what it takes to be a chicken farmer. I, I, I became you know really interested. It's a it's a it's a multi billion dollar industry. You know, chickens or chicken and, and you know um, chicken and, and meat production are never going to go away. It doesn't matter how it doesn't matter how humanity shifts and where we go with you know our diets. Chicken and what chickens and products of chicken is is just never going to go away. And I felt like hey, if I could get me a uh, you know. Pres- just a percentage of the industry you know that'll be great for me and you know my family generationally so you were thinking at that early stage about your post football career do you think that that's going to be the main thing that you do i mean i mean i <clears throat> i was thinking you know um i was thinking just you know long term in general I, you know i always knew i was going to play in the national football league but i was you know i was thinking just you know for my life you know i was thinking you know, yeah, I was thinking about you know me and my future and you know my my children's future and I was thinking you know generationally. So that's where it, that's where it, that's where it came from for me. And I I figured like I asked them a question. I was like, so if it's so much money and it's it's so you know, the chicken business is so profitable, then why don't you see like you know chicken farmers popping bottles and you know flying here and going here and doing that? And it, it, you know um, everybody's situation is, is totally different. You got um, you know chicken farmers that have been doing it you know, for, you know, the uh, hundred years now, and they have so many loans and, you know, so many other things to take care of where they just really can't focus on profit. You know, every single dime that they make goes somewhere else. And, um, you know, you take out a loan for the chicken houses and you you got to do this and do that. Well, for me, it'd be a whole lot easier than that. You know, I don't have to, you know, really take out a huge loan, to, you know, to pay back and I'm not dependent. I don't have any children or, you know, a, uh, I don't have like, you know, a family right now to, you know, to take care of. So, you know everything that everything that the chicken industry brings me is all profit. So um, I thought it was a great situation for me, and you know it just uh, it just took off from there. So, so you have your own working farm
0: right now down in DeSoto, uh, Texas. Is that right?
1: Yeah, I, I got a I got a I got a I got a small farm at home. It's it's not a, a commercial, you know, it's not a you know okay. a commercial operation yet. But I have. You know, I have uh, signed a contract for a commercial operation in Texas. It'll probably be going in like, you know, the end of 2018, the beginning of 2019. So it'll be be just in time. It took me a little bit to really figure it out and, you know, get the the numbers straight. Because whenever it's something that, you know, you're going to have for the rest of your life, you got to make sure it's perfect. You know, this is a big deal for me. So that's why it took so long. Yeah, so
0: you're you're raising chickens down there. I know. How many do you have uh in the coop at the moment?
1: I got about like uh 60 birds in the chicken and 60 I got birds. I got about 60 birds at home at my house in, in uh, Dallas right now. Yeah, and how uh, who's taking care of them when you're up in Denver? So every single drop of information that I have uh learned I have given to my mom and my dad and my little brother. So there they oh. are my uh they are my colleagues right now and <laughs> incredible. Yeah, I have uh, I've showed I've Taught them every single thing that I know, and they—they they, I haven't trusted them with the with the chicken operation in, in, until you know I can get there and you know check it out. I love it. So uh, we're going to talk
0: a little bit about your your diet, but I know a big part of it is is cage free eggs. Are they able to send you up eggs on a weekly basis, or do you just rely on eggs in the local area?
1: All the eggs that we use come from Texas. All the eggs that we use come from our birds and uh back in dallas there he mainly raised cage-free organic birds so i think the humanely raised um you know aspect of it is, is huge for me i think that was the uh that is the is that that is the most that's the most important thing for me he mainly raised organic pasture-raised birds and i figured that uh i could create a whole different you know market you know in, in that area in that aspect
0: yeah i love it i love it so let's talk about your, your diet and and uh from the research, it looks like your in-season diet and your out-of-season diet are pretty similar. Can we go through your your let's start with your in-season diet? How many how many meals a day and what and what what
1: what are the features of the meals? I did about four meals a day and um you know I, I was what I have done now is I, I got a chef now and I just I we right when I met him we sat down and we talked about, you know, some of my goals. You know, I really didn't get into, you know, how many you know, um, carbs and what I like, because I eat anything, you know, I eat anything as long as you make it and it, it tastes good, I'm going to eat it. So when I first met my um, chef, uh, we sat down and we just talked about, you know, foods and what type of, you know, my goals and what I was looking for. And I told him what I was looking for. I want to, you know, I want to eat clean, but I also didn't want to eat, you know, like I want to eat flavorful food and we sat down and we talked about it and, you know, I really don't even, I don't, you know, we go over the menu and you know, I, I really don't even give any input. I just tell him, just make whatever. I just really don't like to eat the same thing twice. And especially in one week, I don't like to eat the same thing twice. So, you know, I, I just gave him, you know, free reign to, to make everything. So I eat breakfast at about eight o'clock and I go to the facility. I wake up at seven. Um, I go to the facility. Um, at about eight o'clock, he drop breakfast off. Um, you know, I go to practice. Right after practice, I go right after practice, you know, I always have like a, you know, a bag of, uh, you know, chef's cut beef jerky. Or a chef's cut, you know, chicken jerky, and I eat that. It's all over the locker room. I'll, stock, I'll stack the locker room with that. So it's all over the locker room. I get a you know a bag of beef jerky or a chicken jerky. Yeah, I've had some of
0: the Chef's Cut. I like that um there's a wide variety. The the turkey, chicken, bacon, and you know, then all your traditional uh styles of beef. I like that chef's cut.
1: They got everything. They got uh the uh the the uh, pork jerky, it tastes just like bacon. You know, I don't eat bacon, but right. I don't eat bacon, but all the guys in the locker room they love that as well. So whatever you're looking for, they got it. <laughs> so right after practice, I eat that and then I go work out. Then when I come back in, I eat lunch. Uh, Chef, uh, Chef Curtis, here. drop off lunch. And um, so I eat lunch, and I go home. Then I have, like, another, like, side lunch right there. So that's three times a day. Then at about 8.30, you know, 9, I eat again. Uh, he comes back, and he cooks dinner at about eight thirty nine. 9.
0: So uh, before you... Um had a chef, and this is, you know, there was obviously uh, a transition from kind of a college diet into your professional career, the diet you would have. Was there a eureka moment when it, when it kind of uh, blossomed for you um, in terms of what you might have eaten in
1: college and and how you had to take care of yourself in the pros? Oh, wow. Yeah. In college, it was, I mean, it was college, you know, you can only, you can only be as, as good as your resources. You can only, you know, do what you have. Right. You can't really have a chef, you know, it's, it's, I mean, you got a chef at, you know, at the facility and stuff. But I mean, like it's college. Right. You know, everybody's pretty much in the same boat, and um, it's collegiate football. You know, that's what it is. But when you when you get to the National Football League, it's, it's the pros. You know, I tell the young guys right off top, like, hey, <laughs> they, they asked me, they ask me, uh, like, right when they get there to Dove Valley, I say, hey, you need to get a chef. I know it's gonna cost. I know it's gonna cost you a little bit of, you know, of money, but. It is a great investment and if you look at this like race cars right if you look at this like you know f1 you know formula cars why wouldn't you put the, the premium fuel in your car you know it's gonna win you races it doesn't matter how much it costs if it's going if it's gonna win you races if it's gonna make you faster and perform at a higher um you know level why wouldn't you do it you know I, I tell the guys that all the time I and mean, it takes a little bit but it's it's our rate for the rookies you know getting um Getting personal chefs right, up, right off top is incredible. You know, I tell them, you know, hey, you don't want to spend on no jewelry or cars or, you know, anything like that. But a chef and the way you eat and the way your family eats is you got to do it. It saves so much time. It saves you and your family time. You know, some some guys already have like wives and children when they come into the National Football League. and You know, it just saves so much time. And, it, and on the plus side, it's, it's going to make you perform better. My eureka moment was when I got into the National Football League. I had, uh, my first three years, I was just, you know, eating just like I was in college. I was like, hey, I'm still getting the same type of success. You know, if I'm playing great in the football field, if I'm still, you know, if I'm I'm still playing at a high level, then why change anything? And um, I had got injured. I had torn my ACL. And um, I was just, uh, you know, whenever you have an injury like that, you just sit back and all you can do is think. So I was, you know, reprogramming my whole entire life. I was thinking about. Know, what could I have done better, what could I have done different. And I was like, hey, I, you know, for me to get ahead and for me to take my game to the next level, I need to get a chef. And um I got a chef and I started off, it started off with just, you know, um three days out of the week. And you know, the other two days I would, the other, you know, um, the other four days I was just, you know, figure something out. But I started to feel a whole lot better. And um as the year went on, I was just like, hey, I'm gonna hire my chef, you know, full time to cook, you know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner every day. And you know my body started to change um, you know my i started to think clearer you know it it took it gave me a whole lot more time and um you know boom here we are today
0: wow that's in, that's that, that's incredible and i'm especially taken with your your advice and guidance to the the new rookies coming in how important it is in terms of of diet and what that means in terms of career I, you you reminded me while you were t- telling that a little bit about uh, of the stories that came out you know kind of recently about um, how does how's Tom Brady been able to stick around for as long as he has? Forty years old, still playing quarterback, and a big part of those stories was was his diet. Have you had a chance to compare notes with um, with Tom at all?
1: No, I haven't. I haven't. But when I saw like uh, his diet, I was like, okay, yeah, that's that's right along. That's right along with the you know uh, type of stuff that I do. I, I know he doesn't eat beef or anything like that. I still I still eat beef. I you know I still eat steak. Yeah. It's just it's just the um, it's just where I get the beef from. It's just not you know like steak from. You know, a local like produce store. It's always it's always a great part. It's It's always, you know, organic and natural and you know, uh, grass fed. So, you know, for me, I like I said, I tell the young guys that all the time. You know, when you got young guys coming in, you know they they got they already got ideas of how they want to spend their right. money and what they want to spend their money on and the things they don't want to spend their money on. And you know, when you start talking about uh, you know chefs and stuff, it's just for Ricky. You you you're not expecting that. You don't want to spend. You know, fifty. You know, sixty. You know, thousand on a shelf. You, that's just not something that you want to do, especially if you don't really, you know, have you know a lot of money like that. But that will get you a lot more money. You know, it, it'll make it for you. It'll it'll pay itself back. So, I think it's right. It's that down payment. Yeah, I think it's I think it's one hundred percent important, and that's what I always push you know, uh, the rookies on to go get their chef, go get their guy that's going to, you know, make life easier for them. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about uh, on the road. You've
0: been in the league now uh, enough years to have been to a whole bunch of different NFL cities. Do you ever eat out when you're on the road? Um,
1: you know, like sometimes we have we have dinner. Uh, like I said before, that goes back to uh, you just got to make the best of, of what you have. You know, if, if I go to a steakhouse, you don't, you don't really have to, you know, go crazy in there. You know, one day you can only control what you can control, and when we're on the road. You know, I go out to eat. You know, with my guys, I, I can't bring you know my chef with me. I can't bring like meals you know with me. To, you know, I could, but it it won't right. taste as it won't taste as as good. So, you know, whenever I'm on the road with the guys, you know, I can look at the menu, and I'm just programmed now to just okay, say I, I like that. You know, I want to you know substitute this for that. You know, I, I just after a while you know the habits they just become a lifestyle and i've been doing it for so long now i could just look at a menu and say okay yeah i can i can eat this
0: yeah so so uh have have has has your approach caught on with your with your teammates
1: yeah i mean like uh whenever i have a lot of guys over to my house all the time and you know they see uh, my chef bring me food all the time and they always look and ask me what i'm having and you know i think uh I think they just. I, I think it's just infectious. I think when they see it and they see, you know how. And I always, I always give them like a little scoop or I give them like a, a piece of whatever I'm eating, so they can see and they can taste and they can know exactly, you know how it tastes. Because when you, whenever you're eating healthy, people are people automatically assume like, oh, it's, it's bird food or it doesn't have any flavor. But you can have, you can really have the best of both worlds. You just gotta, you know, you just gotta find it. That's right. So, so in your experiences. On the road, have
0: you found a particular city uh, that you like? Where you know going into that city, you're excited
1: to get to a particular restaurant there. Um, LA. I mean, I, I like LA. I like Air One in LA. Um, Air One is like a farmer's. It's like a farmer's market, and everything they cook there is, is healthy. Every single thing that you pick up in Air One is great for you. From the the lip chap from from whatever it is in there, it could be lip chap at the front desk. It could be lotion. Everything in there is gonna be healthy. Um All the food is gonna be healthy. They make the food there. I like I like Air One. It's kind of like a you know farmer's market that like sells like plates of food and stuff. And um I also like hold on. Let me think. I like Air One. Now was another spot. Uh, it was another. I, I forgot. I I forgot the but. It, Air one is definitely just right at the top of my mind whenever I'm in L.A. and you know L.A. has a lot of choices and that again you know plays in, you know too you can only you can only be as good as your choices in the environment that you're in and L.A. has you know environment for everybody when it comes to when it comes to eat nutrition yeah. food.
0: Well, you 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 now have uh, occasion to get to L.A. every year with the Chargers moving up from San Diego. That that's got to be a you
1: know nice turn of events in terms of the 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 food aspect of things. Yeah I yeah, I mean yeah it's great. I mean you, know, you don't really have, I don't I don't have a lot of time to just, you know, go out the way and just, you know, go right. all the way over to, you know, to Hollywood and, you know, make it to, you know, everyone. But whenever whenever I'm there, I'm always in LA in the off season, so whenever I'm there, I'm I'm eating uh, you know, everyone. And and I've been to so many cities and I've been working with chefs in, you know, every single city, so I have a I have a go-to chef in every single city that I could that I could, that I visit all the time. So in Miami I have a chef, in Houston I have a chef. You know, um, got it. you know, got it. LA, San, L.A., San Francisco. So it's a whole lot cheaper too that way. I'm not just bringing my shopping from Denver all across the nation. I just got a guy, or a, a lady there that can that can make it happen for me.
0: Okay. Well, look, uh, I appreciate the time today. Before I let you go, one of the things we like to do with our guests on House of Carbs, we like to ask, last meal on earth. Now, this could be a full meal. It could be a five-course meal. It could be one food item. It could be, you know, I'm just going to have a hot dog and a beer. But I like to ask folks, just to get based on their experiences, last meal on
1: earth, what's going to show up on your plate, Von Miller? Okay, we're talking about the last meal on earth. So, I mean, I'm just... Everything else is just out the window. The healthy, nutritional stuff is just, is totally out the window. So my last yeah. meal, my last meal on earth, I probably have. I like Caribbean food a lot, so for me, it, it'll probably be like beans and rice with like some type mm. of some type of jerk chicken or some type of fried fish or, you know, some type of you know stew like beef or something like that and plantains. Oh yeah. And,
0: Beef patty? Do you like the beef patty? Yeah, I like
1: I like I like all of that stuff. You know, all the Caribbean food. It just doesn't matter. I have a I just probably have a huge plate. I mean, a huge plate of just you know something crazy, jerk chicken, you know, curry chicken, mm. you know, beans and rice, and of course I'm gonna eat dessert too. So probably some banana pudding or you know whatever it is. I'm gonna go all the way up. I'm gonna go all the way all the way against all the stuff that we've been talking about on this interview for my last <laughs> for my last meal on oh, air hey, for sure.
0: Yeah, that, that, that's exactly right. Well, Vaughn, thank you so much for the time today. I really appreciate it. Good luck on the rest of the season uh, and, and get yourself some rest this week. All right. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Vaughn. All right, my friends. Big thanks to Vaughn Miller. Unbelievable conversation about chickens. I really learned something today. Speaking of learning something... Let me tell you about Quip. Here's something to chew on, my taste buds. You can start brushing your teeth better today, introducing Quip, the new company that is refreshing the way people brush their teeth. Starting at just $25, Quip is an electronic toothbrush that packs premium vibration and timer features into an ultra slim design that is half the cost of bulkier brushes. It's basically like Apple designed a toothbrush without the big price tag. You can even subscribe to receive new brush heads on a dentist-recommended three-month plan for just five bucks, and that includes free shipping. You have to see it and brush with it yourself. My podcast pals, I have been on the road my own self many, many, many of the last several weeks, uh, really since mid-July, and I have a Quip, and I have been equipping myself with the Quip at the hotels. It's been unbelievable. All of this, I can confirm, is true to form. Quip is backed by leading Dennis and Joe House, and was named as one of Time Magazine's best inventions of 2016. It's slim, it vibrates, it's got a nice, high-powered head on it. I tell you, it is like the electronic brush I have at home. Plus, Quip even won a 2016 GQ Grooming Award and made it on Oprah's 2017 New Year's O-List. I'm going to have to come up with an H-List, an H-O-C-List. Anyway, pals, go right now to get quip.com slash carbs And you get your first refill pack free with a Quip electronic toothbrush. Oops, I called it electronic. It's just electric. That's your first refill pack free at getquip.com slash carbs. G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash carbs. All right, podcast pals, my taste buds. Coming up right now... As we do here on the House of Carbs, managing editor at the Ringer, co-host of the Jam Session podcast, and now co-host of the exciting NBA Sources Say podcast. Uh, did I that up?
2: No, that was great. Okay,
0: Look. I got it, <laughs> Kyle. You, Kyle, can smash all this together,
2: or maybe we just run with it. I mean, hey, Juliet Littman. What's happening? Hi, House. What's up, buddy?
0: Um, I'm a little frazzled, as you could tell from the four attempts at an intro it's, there.
2: It's okay. I hope Kyle leaves all of them in. That was funny. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard you say taste buds before, but I think, oh, I think that's really funny. You're funny, House.
0: No, no, no. First of all, my feelings are not going to be hurt. Um. Because what you're what you're really doing is confessing that you didn't listen to the last house of carbs. No,
2: I didn't. I'm behind in my podcasting.
0: Well, it's okay because you weren't on it. Yeah. So I understand why you might have skipped that one. Who said it? Um uh we had a Twitter fan oh. come at us and say, Look, I love being a podcast pal. I'd love it more if I could be a taste bud. Wow. And we're and I That's was really we were like, Yes. You 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 are a taste bud. Thank you very much for that outstanding suggestion. We gave her a shout out at the beginning of last week's show, and, and here we are. We okay. have we have podcast pals, we have two friends, we have taste buds. We got them all.
2: Cool. It's stuck then. Shout out to her. I don't know who she is. I will find out though, because I'll go back and listen. I'm just a little salty <laughs> that I wasn't on the episode, but I actually have a bigger grievance to air that I've been saving to talk to you about.
0: Oh, my goodness. Let's hear it.
2: Well, it's related to one of my favorite candies, which is the Reese's peanut butter cup. Uh, okay. Are you a fan? Of course. Okay.
0: I'm so I'm human.
2: You're human. <laughs> you're human after all. Um after all. So here at the ringer, we have a pattern of like someone will go get Go, we work by a rite aid, a, a delightful rite aid to be honest. I went there immediately before this podcast, and um, someone will go out and buy a ton of snacks, and like we'll have we'll have like a, t- a sugar rush in the office. Everyone will get all sugared up from candy, from chewy chips ahoy, from nilla wafers, all kinds of cookies and candy. And uh, you know, it's a tradition unlike any other. It's part of the the fabric of the culture of the ringer. And I know that um, every few few weeks, someone will be bringing peanut butter cups to me, the mini ones, because they Mm. come in like the Reese's um, variety pack. So, yeah, it's a hot time for candy right now. Halloween's around the corner. And it's the it's the it's the biggest time of year in the candy scene. And so Chris Ryan, my office mate and co-host of the Source Day podcast, came back with um, some bags of candy. And so I went to get a Reese's, really excited. And I was like, I looked in the bag and I was like, wait, what's going on here? And the mini Reese's were no longer wrapped in the signature gold foil, but instead in a variation of the orange wrapper that comes on the regular sized Reese's peanut butter cup. And I was just what? really like mad and confused about this for like a couple uh, reasons.
0: I'm confused. So keep, keep going, please.
2: The gold, the gold foil is iconic that's just like a, such a classic candy that's a perfect size of candy and a lot of it's in the presentation it's like you're being given something that's precious it comes in a gold foil wrapper uh and then i agree and then the it also is like there's like there's the gold version and the orange version like i know they're exactly the same but to me they're like a different candy i think they do taste slightly differently and now they're just being lumped in together and i get it it's probably like saving on a manufacturing cost because it's all the same materials and Reese's has eliminated the need to buy or buy the little gold sheets and they can just use one kind of orange wrapper. But why mix, why mess with that branding at your busiest time of year? Like when, when kids are going, sticking their hands into the, the bowl of candy or whatever, where they're, when they're trick or treating, what if they're like, where is my gold covered Reese's peanut butter cup? I don't want this orange thing. What is this? Maybe it's different. And like, I don't know. It just seems like a really poor time of year to change your packaging.
0: Well not only that uh well look let me first um chime in the economic reason would be if they're churning out you know double the amount of Reese's items uh in anticipation of the Halloween season now would be the perfect time for them to obtain the the max cost savings <laughs> to give <laughs> the true. you know the lame business rationale but here's the thing that I'm outraged by I believe it to be the case that the gold foil contributes to the preservation of the the form and and uh, substance of the actual mini cup. Like it's very crucial that those ridges be solid yes, ridges. absolutely. And the f- the foil is a really um, elemental part of preserving the 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 composition and constituency. Of that that mini cup. The bigger cups can be in paper because the bigger cups, you know, are going to get mushy. But I don't want a mushy experience with my mini cup.
2: Me neither. Uh, So what you're saying, and you're absolutely correct, is a question of structural integrity here. How can we we be sure they're not going to melt? It's just this is very it's very upsetting. And I wish that Reese's had consulted me.
0: It's part of what contributes to the overall enjoyment of of the the mini cup is uh, what all? What all? The firmness, the the uh, consistency. There's a not. A, it's not quite a crunch, but it's a it's a hard bite to get into it. Whereas the other one is a, is a much softer bite because you're you're into a soft middle of that flat patty. Yeah. For I, that, for that bite, I want some bites. I want three or four bites. They're perfect with a cup of coffee. They're perfect with any, with with virtually any beverage. But you know, for me, it's a cup of coffee, and it needs to to stand up. It needs to have its own solid foundation and firm center.
2: I completely agree with you. It's very it's concerning. And I just don't know where I go, where my personal relationship with the mini Reese's peanut butter cup is going to go from here.
0: Where, where, how did you find them in the the paper? What was your experience with them in the paper? Do Um, they have the same form and consistency? I think it was a little
2: bit meltier. It was just a little bit softer. Of course. Yeah. Of course. It makes sense. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, it's. It, I just really. I, as soon as this happened, I was like, "Well, I can't wait to talk to House about it." So I feel. I feel better. If we've gotten it out there.
0: It was yeah, I'm glad tru- it's off your chest. It was
2: troubling me, and I. I just love Reese's peanut butter cups. I would say it's like my second favorite candy from the like as as far as. Kind of store candy goes Just well. Look, here, here's
0: I'm I'm, inter- I'm so uh, interested and intrigued by this. I think I'm going to go to the secondary market and see if anybody is selling bags <laughs> of Reeses in the foil. I only want them in the foil. Me too. And I'm maybe pissed. if they would do a limited batch run in the foil, I'll pay the premium to get at them. It's the same way I feel about the beef tallow French fries. I talked to I'm not name dropping, but I did talk with Malcolm Gladwell. I mean, it was his podcast sure. Revisionist History. I mean, if McDonald's would do a limited run of those beef tallow french fries and charge you know six dollars for them i'd buy them because i want the old school french fries
2: absolutely limited run is good it's going to segue into our next story but i just want to say on top of that the gold foil presents the opportunity to do like seasonal packaging like do yeah slightly modified color like the way hershey's kisses do and this orange packaging is just really boxes them in i'm so pissed about it bring back the foil reese's
0: bring back the foil the people have spoken
2: yeah. Speaking of specialties, limited runs, We I wasn't on last because you had a packed show. No, my feelings are not hurt. It's fine. Thank but you. We, I'm glad. We did, we did miss a story that we need to discuss, which is the entire Szechuan sauce fiasco at McDonald's.
0: Speaking of limited runs and McDonald's.
2: Yes, exactly. Right? <laughs> exactly. So um, Szechuan sauce was a novelty sauce from a long time ago, like almost 20 years ago, that McDonald's had as part of a tie-in to the movie Mulan. Have you ever seen that?
0: Uh, I saw it as an adult with a child. Sure. I saw it, yes. I, I didn't see it when it came out. I saw it in the last four or five years.
2: I was in middle school when it came out, so I saw it then. I'm not ashamed to say. Okay. And the, yeah. um, it's highly problematic if you watch it now, as many Disney movies are. It was problematic oh. at the time, but just wasn't recognized as such. And, but the music is fantastic. Some really iconic tunes in there. Um,
0: the, the rock sings, right? Oh, no, that's Moana. That's
2: Moana. Yeah, that's not. Oh, yeah. Of, yeah, that's, that's totally different. But in Mulan, and not there's
0: objectionable.
2: Mulan, there is, um, a Christina Aguilera song as well as a collaboration between Stevie Wonder and the defunct boy band 98 Degrees. So just keep that oh, in my. mind. Yes. OK. <laughs> it's called Be True to Your Heart. Anyway, Szechuan right. sauce was a tie in to Mulan because it's set in China. And, um, you know, Chinese food and whatever. And so then on the third season of, of Rick and Morty, which is on Adult Swim, there is a joke about one of the characters, Rick, uh, breaking out of prison and uh, breaking up his daughter's marriage. And there's like this whole thing about like him fighting. And it's like a whole long thing. And he says at the end that he did it just so he could um, get some more Szechuan sauce from McDonald's. <laughs> and as a result, I love
0: the conceit. Obviously, yeah, it appeals to my funny bone. Yeah,
2: of course. So then, as a result, um, McDonald's brings back the sauce. It's like a limited run, uh, playing into like just have the fact they got this free publicity. But they didn't have enough, so there was like really long lines at McDonald's. And Rick and Morty fans who sought out the sauce were furious. And it just became like a social media phenomenon with people being really angry. And ultimately, it culminated with McDonald's issuing an apology. And they said to our customers and Szechuan sauce lovers yesterday, we were truly humbled by the amazing curiosity, passion, and energy this community showed to welcome back Szechuan sauce, even if just for one day. Thank you a million times over. Between the costumes, the memes, and the cross state travel, you, the fans, showed us what you got. And our super limited batch, though well intentioned, clearly wasn't wasn't near enough to meet that demand. Not cool. That was in quotes. I don't even know, like, who they're quoting. They just wrote, quote, not cool, close quote. We agree. So we're going to make this right. In the last 24 hours, we've worked to open any portal necessary, and it worked. Szechuan sauce is coming back once again this winter, and instead of being one day only and limited to select restaurants, we're bringing more, a lot more, so that any fan who's willing to do whatever it takes for Szechuan sauce will only have to ask for it at a nearby McDonald's. We want to make this right. You're some of the best fans in this or any dimension. We plan to deliver on that promise as soon as possible. Stay tuned. So, this is just weird. Like this is like a joke about McDonald's that McDonald's decided to be in on, which then backfired. That they had to apologize for, and now it's like motivating them to bring back the sauce in a few months.
0: So, uh, Ringer Zone Claire McNear yes did a nice breakdown of this um, highly surreal exercise of an attempt by McDonald's at, at fan, I don't know what the word is, um, enhancement, allegiance, sure. um, loyalty. brand enhancement, loyalty, a recognition of an audience that, um, you know, a, a niche audience that, um, you know, could, could help because let's be honest, McDonald's at this stage of the game, a little desperate. And I think we're going to talk about McDonald's later on this show. Yes,
2: we are. We have a second McDonald's story coming up
0: but looking for ways to connect with any kind of item across the board and so in the one on the one hand i i kind of uh respect the recognition of what they consider to be this mini ph- phenomena and the the attempt at you know trying to be a little bit hip a little bit in 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 line with you know a niche audience uh and trying to you know give a give a head nod there was a tremendous failure in execution here, Tr- right, totally, like like uh, egregious yeah. in the first in the on the first in the first place, and on the first hand, I botched that. I don't know which one it is in the first place. <laughs> We're
2: all botching things today.
0: It's true. it's a Monday. It's, it's a Monday. really a Monday. yeah, yeah. It's they cool. grossly underestimated the passion of this fan base. Grossly, capital yeah. G, all caps. Probably, I
2: think that Cap- that's the point. Is like they didn't really understand the phenomenon they were they were opting into, which is funny because it is based on a sauce they invented.
0: <laughs> well, it's it's it on the on, unfortunately for them um, is a, is a, is an indication of how to, out of touch they may be. Like they they took um, this opportunity to have a cultural moment and you know kind of a relevance with an audience that they might not otherwise have. And botched it in a way that, you know, is perfect for social media outrage, for internet outrage. Um, I don't know that that there were tens of thousands of people that were outraged, right? But it mm-hmm. was the perfect uh, way to piss off a hundred people. Sure. And that might as well be a million people as far as the social media is right, concerned. Right, exactly.
2: It's a hundred loud people.
0: That's exactly right. That's the internet. Yeah, the internet exactly. is a hundred loud people.
2: Tell me about it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, but they, uh, are going to right the wrong and I'm quite pleased by it because I'm kind of psyched to get on those Szechuan sauce. Totally. I, I you... have this faint recollection of it being halfway decent. I don't think it was just gross sweet sauce. Are you, a I Mc... think it actually had a little complexity.
2: Are you a McRib guy? Like, does that get you excited? Oh,
0: Through and through. Oh my God. Okay. So I
2: think this just comes from the same place, which is kind of weird that McDonald's didn't anticipate it because the McRib is such a big deal and people do get so excited about it.
0: Well, this is, it it would have been um, an easy enough thing. Maybe we, we, again, we're probably uh, underestimating the cost of right. you know taking something like this and and making it you know in a su- sufficient quantity to meet um demand I mean I don't know what the strategy was for did they p- pick major markets and then a restaurant in each major market or two restaurants in each major market we don't have we're not privy to the strategy that McDonald's used but they grossly miscalculated and now uh, I think we all win because they're going to put Szechuan sauce all over the place. And I'm I'm psyched to try some Szechuan sauce and Chicken McNuggets. I'm yeah. not afraid to say it.
2: And perhaps you can try it on the McVegan burger, which is something McDonald's is piloting in Finland right now.
0: So I'm not going to try it on the vegan burger. <laughs> because, <laughs> because you won't be going to Finland? <laughs> I'm not going to go to Finland although I'd love to go to Finland if yeah. they would have me. The people some people in Finland are mad at me because I keep calling um Lauri the uh Finnish Andrea Bargnani. Oh. Um and some people want me to call him the finished product. Uh, I'm not sure that I'm ready to call him oh, the finished product because he might be the unfinished product. Because I'm skeptical about his translate his game translating to the NBA. That's but funny. you know it's at the we're at the outset of a season. He's a rookie. It's time to be skeptical. Yeah, of and a lot of people want to be uh, irrationally exuberant in the other direction. I'm fine with that, especially the Finnish people, because I'm getting getting a lot of ats from the Finnish people about my uh, comments on Larry Markkinen. If they would have me in Finland to try this vegan burger, I might consider going there except for it's far. Finland is far. It takes a long time to get to Finland.
2: Yeah. Although I don't think it's actually that bad from D.C. We can look into it for you. But you probably won't be going in the next month, which means that you won't be able to try the vegan burger that McDonald's is piloting. They are only offering it in a single city in Finland from October 4th to to November 21st. Really struggling on this Monday. Anyway, um, uh, they also are serving um, a special kind of fries that are also completely vegan, and that will be all over the country. And so this is interesting to me, but it's mostly interesting because it comes on the heels of the news that Fat Burger, which is a very popular chain based here in L.A., is going to start selling the Impossible Burger, which is another vegan burger that Danny Chow wrote about for The Ringer back in February and has been adopted by David Chang and at the Um Umami Burger in L.A., and it's, like, it's a vegan burger that is designed to look and taste as close to a regular beef burger as possible. It even has, like, blood, like, the red juices coming out of it.
0: Yeah, juice. Let's just. It's not. I mean, you know, I know what it is, but I don't want to talk about the blood in my it's, food. It's we, got the red juices, and it has so the juices. It's a nice, it's a juicy patty. Yes. Delicious.
2: So this is a pretty big shift. This is like a big deal as food beast Food Beast reported on this fat burger story, and as they point out, it's far more expensive to produce than just your regular beef burger, but. I think the story with McDonald's that we just talked about the Szechuan sauce kind of underscores that there's a it's a, it's a slightly different uh, landscape for these fast food chains and just the regular burger like doesn't just cut it the novelties are necessary other options people are healthier people yeah are... changes in palate yeah there's just there's new trends to account for and I I I think it's cool that McDonald's and Fat Burger are thinking about it. And it's also like it's um it's – it is sustainable. Like it is better for the environment. So yeah, it's interesting. It's going to take
0: a while for it to be cost effective, right? It costs a lot to put together the Impossible yeah. Burger and, and it's got to be pretty expensive for McDonald's. I have a very quick uh, – uh, I'm gonna call it a hmm. Okay. Uh, I'm so old. That's an old Arsenio uh, Hall reference. Okay. A, hmm, things hmm. that make you go hmm. hmm. I don't. I don't care. I'm. I'm going old school with this. Here's ooh, what ooh, makes me ooh, go ooh.
2: hmm. I'm, I'm doing the the hand motion and doing the, <laughs> the, the Arsenio pound. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: for McDonald's, they chose Finland, Finland, and they chose one month in Finland.
2: Yes, a cold mm. one. Why? I don't know. I guess maybe that's like somehow What is it about the, f- the
0: Finnish market that makes McDonald's think that it's it's a good indicator of whether or not mass production of this vegan per- burger is a, is a saleable proposition?
2: You know, House, this makes me think of something that I think you should do for an episode of House of Carbs, which is what makes the perfect testing market. Because I've heard that Columbus, Ohio is a major testing market, as is Kansas City, Missouri. And maybe this in Finland, it is as well, and so like, what does it mean for a national or pseudo national chain to test something out in a specific market? Like, what are they looking for? What kind of demographics? Like, what makes something a good place to test a food?
0: Because I, I have to say, uh, just on first blush, and this is again, um, no uh, indication of my fond feelings for the people of Finland. But I wouldn't – I don't know anything – I know I know very little about their diet. I think it's some game, you know, yeah. uh, some wild game, what we call wild game here. I think it's uh, some seafood-based things. Um, but I don't – I never had this idea in my head that that would be a market to, to really explore a, a vegan kind of concept. <laughs> now, maybe I'm miss, well, missing maybe. something, but it –
2: you know, global warming brings what? extremes, both in terms of hot and cold. And maybe that means it's going to be colder there and they can't like farm cows in the same way. I don't know. We got to find out that this is that would be a good like House of Carbs investigates. Like what makes a perfect testing market?
0: Yeah, I, I, I love that idea because I want to be invited somewhere and do some testing. So that's going to be a House of Carbs field trip. Okay, and great. you're invited, of course. Oh, you're you. obviously invited. <laughs>
2: yeah. I can't wait. Uh, um. But I, sure I'm what- psyched to try
0: – what I really want to try is the Impossible Burger. So me I'm too. glad to, to hear I, – I understand that um, there's a challenge for the people at Impossible Foods to start producing these um, in a way to meet demand, which is kind of interesting and exciting. And it's, I like yeah, the idea cool. at, at both Burger and the Chang and, and uh, McDonald's that they're just introducing What well, – I'm going to think of it as a new sandwich. Like I don't have – this doesn't have to be a burger – it may have the properties and it may that may be the goal, but I, I don't have to think about it that way. It's just an interesting sandwich for me to try, and that I applaud. I like that innovation. I want the constant innovation.
2: Totally. And like let, let's challenge how we think about burgers and food at fast food restaurants. That's a good idea. It's a worth, yeah. worthy exercise.
0: We can continue to reinvent.
2: Um, meanwhile, Kevin Durant is continuing to reinvent himself and his sources of income, and last week— Darren Revell of ESPN reported that he had invested in a pizza company called Pieology. It's one of the um, made-to-order pizza places in the style that Darren Revell said is made was made famous by Chipotle, where you pick your toppings as you go down the line, and it comes together, and then they cook it. And I am not sure Chipotle invented that, but sure, I love Chipotle. It's given the credit. Um, so he invested in it, and he becomes the second Very famous basketball player to be uh, a partial owner of a pizza chain following LeBron, who uh, owns Blaze Pizza, as discussed on this podcast in this segment. And uh, I didn't realize this, but Kevin Durant used to have more endorsements than any other player in the NBA. And now he has has shed almost all of them. And through his company, the Durant Co., he just invests in various... um, businesses that he thinks are worthy, which is one of the reasons why he likes being in San Francisco. There's so much entrepreneurship and opportunities to invest up there. Um, and oh, he's got a little venture
0: capital. Yeah. KD venture capital. Yeah. Why not?
2: Basically, he's kind of like got his own fund. And so I just thought this was interesting. It's now one of his only um, chains and just sets him up for another conversation to be like, who's better, KD or LeBron? Which I would not court were I him, but I also like that he's not shying away from that. He's not going to like be like, oh, LeBron owns pizza. Well, I can't do that. No, Kevin Durant likes pizza too, and he wants in on the business. So that's what he's doing. Did,
0: have you? Did you get an opportunity? I'm interested in um, seeing how Pyology distinguishes itself from its competitors, like Blaze and like uh, also here on the East Coast, and maybe they're broader than this. The ampersand Pizza and Pizza. We
2: don't have that, but we have 800 degrees. We have okay. live basil, which or live basil. I don't know which which one. Um, and then there's Blaze here as well. So there's like there's like four or five. There's probably more that I haven't even thought of.
0: I mean, in the very first place, and I confess this when we talked about LeBron and Blaze, um, what what they're describing, you know, the basic idea of uh, add your toppings and then get the pizza. That's how I've been ordering pizza for forty y- five years. Sure. So well, I didn't start ordering pizza when I was three, but that's how <laughs> I've been ordering pizza my whole life. I pick the ingredients and tell them what I want on it, and then they make it, and then I get it. I guess this is uh, all a one-shot experience where you walk in, you tell them the ingredients, they put it on, and then you wait. And the wait, the real difference here, the distinguishing factor is how long you have to wait yeah. because they have these super hot ovens and they make them into smaller sizes that make it easier for the pizza to cook faster. Right,
2: and, and to quote Kevin Durant, he said, I went to one of them and saw how quickly they did it and I was really impressed with the quality. I just felt like given how fast our lives our how fast our lives are these days or how fast our lives are these days the think that's what's supposed to say we don't want to wait for pizza anymore so that's that's exactly it it's the speed plus the quality plus this style of restaurant being in vogue so well, he didn't say that third part but i'm saying it and so uh yeah seems like a fine investment good luck to him some of his other investments were fascinating um he also was invested in nike which is uh or it's not, it's not an investment, but he's a deal with them. He also has deals with Beats by Dre, American Family Insurance, and Alaska Airlines. So those are his endorsements, and then his investments are separate. Um, it's pretty strong. Yeah. And apparently the company has invested between $50,000 and $2 million into more than 30 companies, including micro lender, acorns, and this is very important, delivery service, Postmates. So Kevin Durant is in the food food industry. This is two Yeah. No. Postmates. Oh, let's look. I, I,
0: I know. Uh, I know our pal Bill Simmons. You know, occasionally has chats with KD. Maybe we can get a little house of carbs. Maybe we can slip oh in three God. or four Great questions. Idea. that Great we could idea. use for the house of carbs. I mean, I don't. I would never, uh, um, you know, step up and say that we ought to have Kevin Durant as a guest on here. I mean, no. that's that's obviously Podfather territory, and I don't want to step on the Podfather's very large shoes. Of course but, not. If we could maybe we could sneak in a few questions that would be appropriate. I'm sure the hungry people would like to hear. Yeah. A few things about Kevin Durant and his interest in food.
2: We'll see what we can do on that front.
0: That's good. I like it.
2: All right. That's all I got for you this week, House. So those are some meaty stories, though. No pun intended.
0: <laughs> that is terrible that I'm laughing at it, but it is an indication of where we are in this on this Monday. So uh we can tell the hungry people to catch all of the NBA Palooza. Yes. Uh, it'll be available all week long. You're going to record tonight after you and I are done recording yes. a sources say a live sources say with Chris Ryan, but that'll be available uh, to the hungry people Tuesday and Wednesday. They can get caught up as the games start rolling yeah. along here. Is
2: that right? Yeah. MBA I'm thinking of drinking a Juliet while recording sources say since it's. Uh, oh, my
0: God. That would be incredible.
2: It's a late affair. It's at 8 p.m. Pacific. So that's like Is a
0: it. Pr- pos- do you, pr- do you pr- have a house of carbs glass to drink out of?
2: Oh, perhaps I do. I. I have a few we hours need... to to make this happen, so I feel confident. Yeah, yeah,
0: let's do it. Let's do it.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, please do check us out, NBA Preview. dot com. We got a ton of content. We're so psyched for the NBA season to be back. I don't know, man. I've missed I, basketball. Never left because of the crazy offseason, but I'm excited to have some games. Let's see how these super teams look. And
0: it's so different. Yeah. Everything's different. I can barely keep track of it. I did my over under. Podcast with Simmons, we had a couple great uh additions with um Jason Concepcion at network and Kevin O'Connor joined us as well. And uh I just found myself at a loss so many times thinking about these teams and trying to come up with how I think they're gonna go this year. It's like a brand new league, it feels like Juliet. Yeah,
2: I know. It's really crazy. Like, even the small moves, like Paul Millsaps on Denver, what?
0: I know, exactly. So <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm bullish on Denver all of a sudden. Where did that come from? I
2: know. Every, Denver's like the hot team right now. It's like, what What world are we living in? It's yeah, crazy. Exactly. Um, thanks for having me, House, as always. Always,
0: Juliet. as always. We'll talk again next week. Talk
2: to you soon. Bye, taste buds.
0: All right, my taste buds. You know how we do here on House. Oh, car. We love to tap the inside resources for a whole variety of food-related topics and interests. We've had lovely Mallory Rubin last week, the Countess of Caviar, help us with food delivery. Uh, I could go on and on with all of the Ringer help we've had. Today, I don't know if we're going to get any help. I mean, no offense to this next guest, but... The burden is high. A lot of people treat this topic that we're going to tackle like a religion. So I'm hoping that this man is up to it. This man is the co-host of the GM Street podcast and also co-host of the Basketball College podcast (laughs) that I'm sorry I don't know the name
3: of right now. This is amazing. I'm having so much fun. Tate, what is what is that podcast called? It's called Teed Up. Uh, but this oh, is, of course, this is actually teed the best up. part of the. Po- I actually agreed to come on this podcast because House was going to have to introduce me, and I wanted to see what he would come up with. And this is more fun than I could have ever imagined. Thank you, House. Those, I'm, I'm those those very honored. Right, G M Street and Teed Up are both correct. Right, you, you got those right. I think the main thing I would say, I, I am Tate Frazier. You are correct. Uh, the main way I would describe <laughs> myself is that. I launched this golf podcast uh, in, in February of 20, 2016, I believe, before you there was it. even, there was no ringer at this point. This was the Bill Simmons Media Group, formerly the artist formerly known as the Bill Simmons Podcast Network, BSPN. And Joe House was in uh, Bill Simmons' backyard. You came in, you recorded this great podcast with Jeff Shackelford. Actually, I think it was just Jeff Shackelford was there and you were on the line. And uh, that's when I knew I, I, I was in a great position because it was two guys that. Loved golf like I love golf, and uh, and actually more so than I did. And uh, you know, from now from then on, you became a celebrity. You have Shack House, you have House of Carbs. Uh, you keep coming up with genius ways to uh, promote those podcasts. I'm just basically honored to be here, House. So I appreciate you letting me come on.
0: Tate, that is a wonderful way to suck up. Obviously, I'll take <laughs> all of it. You did have uh, an elemental role, a foundational role in the podcast that came to be known as The Shack House. The Shack
1: House. So we
0: welcome you for that. I'm, so I think beautiful. the golf people welcome you for that. Today, the bar might be a little higher, mm. Tater, because there are a lot of hungry people out there. And you know this is a podcast for the hungry people, by the hungry people. Today's topic, as I mentioned, like a religion to many people, we're talking about tailgating, Tate. Mm. And mm-hmm. here's, here's what I, I think the best way to start this is to establish your bona fides. Let's go through your tailgating resume. I think, in the first place, it's important to distinguish whether you're a college tailgater, a pro football tailgater, or or are you across the board. Let's go ahead and lay out some credentials.
3: Yeah, so let's lay the credentials out. And I will say, you had to go far in the bullpen at the ringer uh, to to find me for tailgating. So I, I think that says something to Bill Simmons. He needs to reach into the South Pole and pull some people out. But tailgating, quite a, quite a you know, similar to football, is a religion, especially in the South. And I'm from North Carolina. I went to UNC Chapel Hill, which is a school that, you know, I like to say great things about my university, but it's not a great tailgating school. It's not a thing that they really pride themselves in. And my number one rule for a tailgate, the main thing that you need is space. So I've been to, you know, NC State. I've been to Duke. I've been to Wake Forest. I've been to North Carolina. I've been to Virginia Tech. I've been to Virginia. I've been to Clemson. I've been to Florida. I've been to Georgia. I've been to Tennessee. I've seen all these schools, and I've seen the way they tailgate. So I would say, for the most part, I am a college football tailgater kind of sewer. That That's what I have seen. That's what I've been through. That's what I've witnessed in my life. Uh, and, you know, th- th- those are my credentials as far as tailgating. But the main thing I would say is that tailgating comes down to one thing, and that is, in my opinion, and that's fried chicken house. I, I don't know how you feel about wow. that. Wow. Fried chicken. Fried chicken. We jumped right
0: in on on possibly the the most crucial element. Let me ask you a couple questions before we get to some of, you know, the the most important elements of a successful tailgate. Now, you mentioned a whole slew of ACC schools, but Mm. I was very glad to hear you confirm because I was kind of guessing at it. That there are a bunch of SEC schools on your resume as well. Yes. So in the very first place, is there a difference? Did you experience a difference between the way that the SEC fans approach their tail- tailgates and the way the ACC? Now, the ACC historically not a great football conference, right? They had to uh, assimilate Miami to try and mm. create a little bit of uh, and Florida State, legitimacy. In the same with, same thing with Florida State, right? They yep. swooped up both those schools just to establish a little football legitimacy. That happened in my lifetime, mm-hmm. but the, it, let, tell me, did you? Is there a difference between ACC tailgating and SEC tailgating?
3: So let's do a case analysis by this. So let's do Clemson versus South Carolina, right? So we got two places. We have Clemson, South Carolina. We have Columbia, South Carolina, which is the 15th Columbia that has a university that's in the SEC, the ACC, the big whatever it is. But so Columbia is uh, South Carolina. It's Williams-Brice Stadium. Um, it's very similar to, very akin. To East Carolina, for people that don't know, which is in Greenville, North Carolina, which is we're football first. You know, we're, we're going to make this thing happen, especially I went in the Spurrier year. So this is 2013, I believe, is when North Carolina played and I went down to the game. My brother went down to the game um, to see Williams-Price in person. But the thing that is distinct about the University of South Carolina, they have these trains so it's basically these box cars that are all lined up right outside williams Price, pretty close to the stadium, and you can rent out these. Have you heard about this house? Have you? Have you no, I, no, I never heard of it. Okay, so I
0: went to Holy Cross.
3: <laughs> didn't have you know? They're no tailgating at Holy Cross. Come on, Bob, tailgating at Holy it out. Cross is
0: drinking a keg in the dorm.
3: <laughs> well, at, at South Carolina they have these box cars, and so you can rent out these box cars for the day for a tailgating experience. And you know, you pack it out. You have. You know all the all the early morning drinks, the bloody marys, the mimosas, uh, you know the screwdrivers. All that stuff is set up in there, and then you'd have probably your Bojangles chicken, your Chick Fil A, whatever it is, or maybe you have people bring home cooked barbecue. Uh, maybe maybe mm. a pig is uh, is mm-hmm. cooking. That's that's a big thing that they, that they do there, and a big thing that a lot of schools the tailgate do. Um, but the scene in Columbia is more. I, there's not a nice way to say this, but it's a little bit more uh, raw. Raw, is that a word that applies? Not, a little more raw? A little bit more raw, yeah. And and it was a fun time. I mean, they're, they're drinking beers. They'll probably throw a bottle at you if you need, you know, if you say something about their university. Clemson, on the other hand, is just think of like huge fields, like just perfect green grass, a bunch of trucks, SUVs, cars packed up with uh, TVs built in the back, chairs, like lawn chairs around them, watching other games, drinking the same sorts of things, screwdrivers, mimosas. But there's like an air of class that comes at a Clemson that is not quite there with the South Carolina. And uh, I, I would say the difference between an SEC and an ACC tailgate is that Clips is probably the closest to an SEC that's in the ACC, but the SEC is—they're—they're they're not messing around. You know, they're not putting on airs and telling you how great you are as a university and and welcoming you to the, your campus like you are in enemy territory, and they let you know. And I think that's the biggest difference. Okay, so uh, you mentioned Georgia. Yes. How would you compare Georgia to South Carolina? So Georgia is between the hedges in Athens. Athens is basically Chapel Hill, and steroids is the way I describe it. Um, there are the campus is just massive. So the North Campus, which is like the main quad, the main the main area of campus, is beautiful, lit up. And then the stadium, actually between the hedges, there's a nice road where if you drive by, you can see into the stadium. And Georgia is just sprawling. I mean, there's tailgates everywhere. Um, you know, huge parties going on. I mean, the fraternities, sororities, everyone's going all out. I mean, it, it's similar to every university as far as like the Greek life involvement and all of it. But uh, I would say Georgia is also... Georgia's probably the if you want to talk about like high class tailgating, I think Georgia in the SEC around the stadium is very you know, you know, people are wearing blazers and all that sort of stuff around the stadium. People are dressing up in button shirts and all that sort of stuff. But then you have like the hardcore Georgia football fans that are at the bar watching and uh they, you know, they're 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 probably equitable to more of an Alabama Auburn atmosphere. Um I would say Georgia's probably the best place I've seen for football. I mean, it, we talk about a religion, and tailgating is a part of the whole, you know, the whole Saturday atmosphere in Georgia. So I would say Georgia is probably number one on my list if I if I had to say.
0: Yeah. So so let's let's go through some of the elements. Uh, now you touched on quite a bit of this as you were describing your experiences as we were establishing the credentials here. I'm and trying I, to prove
3: I've seen some things. You know, I, I yes I want to yes, live up to the House of Carb standards here.
0: The the hungry people want to know that when they're when they're listening that they're getting the the straight scoop as as it as it was, uh, brother <laughs> Frazier. So here here's uh, you know in one of the things that I have uh, observed you know f- from afar as a Yankee is mm. that down down south it looks like to me the tailgate serves as a vital social function which helps explain why you have folks that get dressed up it helps explain all of the time and energy that goes into it. It's an opportunity to reconnect with your friends. It has your, you know, uh, and then as you become an alumni, you're, you're getting back together with your crew and, and, uh, it's a very open, uh, table kind of experience. People come and go. So there's a mix of, of young and old. Um, so that, that vital social function informs it. Now, I think that means, in terms of infrastructure, I'm very curious about what you described at uh, uh, South Carolina with the with the box cars. That sounds incredible, but it sounds like for most folks, they need a few things in terms of infrastructure. You got to have a vehicle that's big enough to transport the stuff that you need to set up camp. Yes, and we're really talking about set, setting up camp, right? Yes, because the the crucial elements. Are what you need? You need a, some kind of a, a tent. Mm-hmm. You need some kind of table or multiple tables. You yes. have to have a grill. You have to have some kind of power generation because we're talking about the TVs that folks want to watch to catch the other games that are going on. Mm -hmm. Maybe they have a little juice out there. Maybe they got a little taste on another game. (laughs) They'd like to know how that game's going. Absolutely. While while they prepare for their own uh, adventure. What am I leaving out? That's in terms of infrastructure. Those are some of the things that come to mind. The most vital thing
3: of all, and that's the cooler. The cooler is its own status symbol you know you you can see i know they've sort of blown up now but the the yeti like the fishing coolers a lot of that is around you know it's like i keep my beers as cold as possible the the deadly sin is is going into other people's coolers without you know being officially welcomed into the tailgate you know just scragglers coming up and starting to grab things and walk away because that's the other thing hold on let me interrupt how do you know that you've officially been invited well, it's, it's more of a, you know, it, when you walk into a social circle of sorts and, you know, you might chime in with a little joke uh, and people acknowledge that and you keep it pushing, that does not mean you're welcome into the tailgate, you know. You might you might walk by and you see a bunch of Clemson's fans and you're a Clemson fan and you say, hey, go Tigers, and they might say, woo, go Tigers. That doesn't mean you can go up and grab, you know, two cores Lights and say, have a nice day, folks, I'll see you later. You know, it's... Uh, you have to hang around you have to buy into the social scene i i compared to like a cocktail party but uh you know it's obviously brought down to this level but it's sort of the same premise where we are welcoming you into our Abode, our, our setup, our home for the day, and, and how we ha- and we plan this whole thing out. We have food, we have drink, we have everything. We're, we're here to be merry and have a good time, and uh it, it's a social contract of sorts. You know, you can you can get brought yes. in and fostered in, and uh and welcome yes. even, even if you're the enemy at times. uh Maybe have a a, a chicken leg, share it with the enemy. Let, let let's hear what they're saying, how their quarterback is doing for the day, and then you can have a nice Coors Light or a Miller Light, or probably a Miller Light because they could be sponsoring this podcast for all I know, but. All that, all that is to say is that it it's it's sort of a, a trust that's built in, in the system and everyone that's out tailgating together, um, you know, if you buy into it and you're a good tailgater and you're a good fan and you're, you know, really just a good person, then you can make the most of it and you can bounce around. I, I'm a person, I, I like to bounce around to different places and, and go to different tailgates. Yeah, I know dates. that about you. So, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. are that type.
0: Yeah, why? You know, just check it out, see what's going on. That's right. Uh, how about... Uh... The, the, the grill. In your experience, is there a single grill master? What have you seen? Is, there, is it a team effort? What, what have you seen that, that's worked?
3: My favorite grill uh, scenario is like the dad where it's like his Ford Explorer and, he, and he's driving up to see his son and you're going to go meet him and and he's handling the duties of the meat duties for the day, whether it be, you know, a pig. I mean, sometimes you have to go get a cooker, a slow cooker, to do a pig for the day. And, that you know, that's waking up at 6 a.m. and starting the pig and hoping it'll be done by noon. You know, it's a six-hour process. But if we're just doing like a standard grill in the back of the car and we're doing hot dogs and hamburgers, that sort of stuff, then you got to thank the man George Foreman because – there's no one like George Foreman to get a grill for everyone, for the family, to have a nice little time to, to grill up some hot dogs and hamburgers and hop on and uh, maybe some brats. I don't know how you feel oh, about brats, brats, but yeah, of course. And then, you know, we had a big problem with this. Uh, w- they did that fast food list here. Um, and Bojangles is such an integral part to the North Carolina, South Carolina, Southern Virginia, Georgia all, all of those states uh, that do tailgating, I mean, there's nothing like having a tailgate special of Bojangles Chicken on deck uh, for people to munch on uh, in between games or on the way to a game. And, you know, you just Tate, got, you grab a chicken breast and you just keep walking. It's it's a beautiful thing.
0: Yeah, Tate, you know that and I know that. How did the ringer not know that? How is it that we, we had this wonderful, you know, review of the, 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 the tastiest fast food items in America mm. And, and Bojangles didn't crack the list. No. I mean, Bojangles, this was March of 2017. You know, like you the low...
3: Yeah, you know, like we, the, <laughs> we didn't even see
0: Bojangles on the list, Tate Frazier.
3: You know that that was one of the days that you know I, I had had some tough times. I didn't know I was losing my identity. I, you know, I I kind of freaked myself out being out in California that I'm going to lose myself at times. And what yes. did, that list really hurt me because you know I didn't have much say in it, and there was no Bojangles. I felt like the lone Southerner, the lone survivor. And then you came on Bill's podcast and and uh, you set the record straight. So I I always owe you a favor. A lot of people owe you a favor, and even Cookout. Um, that people didn't bring up and that was was a total travesty. And if yeah, you, if- I mean,
0: we we ignored the whole southeast portion of the United States of America. Now I. That 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 uh, whole week hurt me as well to have that out, but you know I don't. I'm not sure we, there would be this house of carbs that's without true. the opportunity to go on Bill's podcast. And, that was the genesis, an attempt to right some wrongs. That might have been the genesis of this whole thing, Tate.
3: You're right. So maybe that's how that's how most things work. You know, you need one thing to really spurn full change. But uh, look, and that was you, the thing. you,
0: we, you and I. The, the only right way to give it credit is to get a couple Bojangles chicken legs Oof. and do a toast. I mean, that's that mm. Bojangles brought this whole thing to life.
3: Oh my god, that sounds so good right now, right? It, it's yeah, it sure does. I, I only okay, get Bo, well, I only get Bojangles in the airport now. Unfortunately, when I fly back home, pretty much. Uh, so it's really a travesty.
0: But you get it. The important thing is that you get it. I mean, you're you're back east, you're in Carolina, you get it. That's what happens. So we've touched uh, on a handful of, of food items. We're going to segue a little bit. I don't want to make this too much of a Bojangles commercial, even though it's appropriate. So we know that Bojangles is a crucial food item. And you you identified early on in our chat today that fried chicken is a crucial element. Do you find a lot of folks... Bringing uh, pre-made fried chicken? Do you see anybody there with a fryer actually frying up some bird at any of the the tailgates you attended?
3: So North Carolina State, which is in Raleigh, North Carolina, the cool thing that they do with their tailgates, they have the North Carolina State uh, Fairgrounds, which is right by Carter-Finley Stadium, their stadium. So they have this huge sprawling space that is where, you know, obviously the NC State Fair is, which is they fry a lot of stuff there. Donuts hamburgers, whatever you can think of, Snickers, it'll be fried at the North Carolina State Fair. And uh, before NC State games, I mean, you'll see a lot of people out there frying chicken. Uh, Frying whatever they can fry. Honestly, who knows? It could be squirrel. It could be, I I don't even know. People go coon hunting. I don't know what they do over there. coming at you. (laughs) I wouldn't go there. I wouldn't go there, Tater. I don't know what they're, I don't know what they're frying over there, but I will say it is probably in, in the state of North Carolina, NC State has the best tailgating setup because of the fairgrounds that they have around the stadium and they cook a lot of great food. It's a lot of fun to go to their games. And uh, they also have this, one of the great things about tailgating is the availability to leave during the game so a lot of a lot of schools you, you you know it's once you're in you can't get out so he goes right. uh like at nc state games you can leave at halftime at clemson games you can leave at halftime i feel like at georgia you can do the same so you can go back to your beautiful tailgate at halftime catch up on games if you have to have a couple more drinks get yourself sauced up for the second half and go back into the stadium and uh i think that's the best that's the best version of a tailgate to to be quite honest I have to agree. I'm sitting here slightly
0: speechless. I'm pretty sure that the thing, the next move here is to figure out how to get invited. I mean, I need an invite to one of these. I've never experienced a proper Southern college football tailgate. Let's uh, let's go to Chapel we, Hill. We, let's do it. We, let's get yeah. Let's let's take this show on the road. Uh, the hungry listeners out there, you can at at me at house from DC. You can add us uh, at the House of Carbs Instagram page. Am I right, Kyle? Did I get that right? Yeah, that's right. And we got uh at House from DC on on the Instagram also. Those are plenty of ways. Or our email at uh what's that one, Kyle? Houseofcarbs fans at gmail.com. I knew that one. I knew that one. So there we go, Tater. We're gonna get uh, a couple invites, hopefully. I want to experience this. Uh we've conquered many of the most important elements. Now let's let's do two minutes. On beverages, let me hear your experiences on drinks because we can't and we can't talk about tailgating without talking about drinks.
3: It's uh, so basically most places are your usual beer and wine. Uh, North Carolina, the joke about North Carolina fans are they want wi- the wine and cheese crowd is what they call us. Uh, so people have a lot of wine and cheese, and it's more fancy and whatever. But for the most part, for me, uh, I like to start out with first of all, if it's Saturday morning and most Carolina games are at noon. I will go to Chick-fil-A. I would drive to Chick-fil-A and I'd go to get a nice chicken biscuit, come home with a sweet tea, drink that before, get ready, get my stomach right, get, get something in the system before I go drink all day. Uh, yes. I, I'd go and have a nice... You know, mimosa screwdriver, whatever it takes, would be the first one to set things off. And then 20, 30 30 minutes in, music starts kicking in. People start coming over. You start throwing the football a little bit. Start getting your juices flowing. You start watching some of the early games. You obviously watch college game day. Uh, Not so much anymore, I don't, but this, you know, five, six years ago, it was great. You know, Herb Street, Desmond, get the whole Lee Corso saying all this crazy stuff, putting on the mascot helmet. You get fired up and then, you know, you make the move. You, You make a conscious decision. And I will say that, It's a conscious decision to decide if I'm going to go to the liquor bar, which is usually available and you can do mixed drinks, whatever it takes, or you're going to go beer for the day. And you have to stay strong in that course because it can get a little dicey if you don't. So basically you have to decide what kind of day you want to have. And for the most part, uh, you know, unfortunately for myself at times, I would go to the liquor bar and uh, I would do a little maker's mark. And uh, a little ginger ale, and I would keep my day rolling. And with uh, that sun hits you, and you have a nice little refreshing ginger ale with a hint of Maker's Mark, just a hint, mom, just a hint. It, it, it makes for a beautiful scene and a beautiful day of tailgating, to be quite honest.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. That's a, that sounds like a wonderful tailgating drink. Well, ha- we asked for the uh, the thirsty people out there to hit us with their suggestions for tailgating drinks at all those addresses that I couldn't remember that we'll, <laughs> <laughs> we'll, put, we'll put out there again. Tate Frazier, thank you for joining us. Look, to me, You're just Tate Frazier, the super producer, podcast star, up-and-comer at The Ringer. I don't know about this Tate the Snake stuff, so I'll, I'll leave that alone. I'll let you sort that out with the other folks at, at The Ringer. It's all thanks right. for joining us on the House of Carbs, my friend. Hey, I
3: had a great time, House. I hope that I, I imparted some sort of wisdom. I probably didn't, but I had a great time talking to you.
0: <laughs> all right, Tate. Thanks, buddy. Get over there to Simmons. I'm sure he's got a podcast he's ready to
3: record. Of course. Bob Costas, the 65-year-old wonder kid. Wow. Bob Costas, that's a big deal. Yeah. It'll be fun.
0: All right, podcast pals, my taste buds, that does it for another exciting house of carbs. Please keep up the outstanding belly sourcing. You can hit us now on our very own Instagram at the house of carbs send us your pictures especially tate with his tailgating hit us up with some tailgating pics we need to see some live action down and dirty southern tailgating hit us up at the house of carbs we also would love it if you give us a review on the itunes and please subscribe wherever you get your podcast we shall be back next week my hungry friends with another episode but until then let's stay hungry out there